0: You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Got a great deal going on right now where you put down $1 on any NFL game. And if either team scores, which hasn't uh, there hasn't been a scoreless game since 1943, you get $100 to play with. So hop on to DraftKings and check out that deal. Joined now by very, very special guest, longtime U of A associate head men's basketball coach, Mr. Jim Rosborough. Ros, how you doing, bud?
1: Mike, really well. Nice to see you again. It was just a little bit ago and we chatted, but nice to yep, see you.
0: It certainly was. So first and foremost, let's talk about what you've been up to a little bit, because you've got a lot of hobbies. You do you do some coaching still. What's been going on?
1: Well, my main thing uh, over the winter is I'm coaching with Todd Holdhouse out at Pima with the women's program. It's really been enjoyable. I think this is my seventh year uh, doing that. So that's really, really been fun. We've had good success. Um, in the summer, I play a lot of golf. Uh, I mentioned to you before the show, uh, mainly for my knees, which are not young knees anymore. I ride a bike every day, uh, not long, but just enough to get out there 20 minutes up to about 40 and get a little bit of uh, cardio as well. So I ride a bike every day, uh, watch a little Netflix, you know, just various and such. yard work. You want to know about yard work? I know all about yard work. So <laughs> yeah, those are those are things I do. The tennis I played with. Uh, A guy, Jeb Schoonover, who was uh, one of the guys who rescued the Rialto Theater, and I think we were out, Mike, oh, from the first time I met him in 89, we were probably out five or six days a week, so we really really had a lot of fun with Jeb. Okay,
0: Coach, let's talk now a little bit about kind of a new era of Arizona basketball with Tommy Lloyd, and you guys have an interesting story. One of the best basketball games I've ever seen in the NCAA tournament involved you guys as a number one seed playing Gonzaga with Tommy Lloyd as an assistant. Run us through that game and just kind of what you remember.
1: Well, it was in Salt Lake City. I know that part. You know, it's, it's interesting, Mike, on a couple of these big games, including the national title game. As I've gotten older and reflected on them, I can't reflect on them much anymore because, you know, you're in such a haze while these games are going on. But Gonzaga was really good, and we knew that. We had a good team, Luke Walton, uh, all the other guys that were there. I think Jason Gardner was still there. And we knew Gonzaga was good. Uh, I don't know if we really knew how good until we got into the game. But uh, they were well coached. I think Tommy was uh, Lloyd was still coaching there uh, or was coaching there. Uh, Mark Few, of course, running the program. And it was really probably in my time here, which was 18 years, one of the better games that we were ever involved in. And before the show, we talked about it. It got down to a final shot. I think we scored to go up one, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two, but probably one. And they had a guard, Blake Stepp, who was really, really, really a good player. Two guards, strong kids, 6'3", tough to defend. And he came down and got a shot off, as I recall, off the right side. Uh, facing the basket, got up there, maybe rolled off the rim or went around or something, but it was was perilously close to going in, which would have been big-time trouble for us. It would have ended the season, but one of the great games, and you remember, Mike, you saw it, the the guys when the game was over, maybe both teams just flat-out laid down on the floor and could hardly move, and they were having to help each other up. I mean, it was a dynamite game, and I don't recall if it was overtime. You might remember, Mike, but it was really one of the better games in my time here great great game and they were a very good team and very well coached
0: stylistically did um you guys were always known for getting up and down and we're going to talk about that a lot going forward but when you watched gonzaga what did you think about their offense did you see some similarities did you see you know just a different kind of coach team what did you see
1: no i mean again as i i recall they they got up and down the floor. We like to do that, get up and down the floor, outlet to our point guard, run our lanes, big kids run. Um, and they were like that, too. I mean, there was no slowdown. I think, uh, as I recall, and you might know the score, it was either upper 80s or low 90s mm-hmm. or something. It was, it was a whale of a game. And they, they were much like us. They had good players. They had smart players. They had good athletes. You know, I mean, that's why, Mike, it was a, a close, close game. They were, again, very well coached, ran their stuff. They, they ran good stuff. I mean, it was hard to defend. And what happens in a situation like that? You've got a day or so to prepare. So it's not like, you know, you're out there with your kids two or three days running through their their sets and everything. So, yeah, they they were good. And it was a style similar to ours. I mean, maybe a little bit of differences here and there, but a similar style up and down the floor. They they were very very good. And they had a point guard. I think I can't remember which one it was because they had a number of good Matt point-
0: Santangelo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were good team, big kids that played well. They were very, very good team.
0: Okay. So you come back now, let's talk about a little bit about the Jim Rosborough odyssey getting to Arizona and everything that played out from there. So you're, you coach with loot at Iowa and you go off to take a head coaching job. You come back and you join loot at Arizona in 1989 Right when they're, you know, they're coming off a Sweet 16 loss to UNLV, a Final Four before that. When you came back to Arizona, or when you came to Arizona, how had the college game changed? And maybe how were you surprised by the level of talent that Lute had already accumulated at Arizona?
1: Well, I, I mean, I was coaching at a Division One school, Northern Illinois, so I mean, right. I, I don't think that I found the game had changed so much. Uh, Yeah, I I was when I got here, although, you know, we we stayed in touch, Coach and I did, and I knew who his players were. And, of course, you know, Sean Elliott and all these guys. Um, So the the biggest thing was it was a little more when I got here, to be honest with you, Mike, kind of a laid back California style. I mean, when we were at Iowa. No music in the locker room before the games. I mean it was a pretty staid, calmed down situation, getting ready to play and here it was um, and not in a bad way. it was a little bit looser music in the locker room, guys a little bit looser um, Steve Condon, one of the trainers when they were leaving the locker room and this was not necessarily my favorite thing in the world, Mike, but he always had a joke for the day and so on. So it was maybe just a little bit more laid back, but I mean, there, there was some amazing talent here. And I, I think Mike, uh, and you may remember, I think Brian Williams was sitting out that year. So he was a huge talent that was in practice and Chris Mills either was sitting out that year, came the next year and sat out. So besides the people that were here, Rooks, Math, Muehlbach, Judd Bushler, Harvey Mason, uh, Othick, if I mentioned him, there were some really, really good players that were here Uh, And you're right, an accumulation of of good players and size and and so on. It was a well-balanced team. And they were were well on their way. They'd been to the NCAA, I think, when I got here four or five years in a row. So it was in in good shape uh, when I got here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then –
0: Arizona then becomes, you've got this reputation as kind of this Tucson skyline where you've got, you always had a couple really big guys on there, whether that's Sean Rooks, whether that's Brian Williams, whether that, you know, Ed Stokes and Arizona won a ton of games. The tournament success wasn't great. You know, had some upsets in there. And then you guys kind of make a decision to go to a more up-tempo type style. How did that all come about? And who were the necessary linchpins on the roster to make that happen?
1: Sorry, Mike, you were trying to bring up. We, we just, this is interesting out at Pima the other day, Todd did a little thing, kind of a motivational deal for the girls. And lo and behold, the, the featured guy in the highlight was Steve Nash. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. on the screen flashes the Santa Clara, Arizona game, number two seat versus number 15. I, I'm sitting there having to review that and watch that again. Um, so, Mike, what what happened was we'd had the big kids, um, and we'd use them in in you know kind of a high-low post and dual post and good perimeter guys as well. I mean, if you have Bushler and Milbach and Othick and those guys, they were were darn good. And the, uh, but what happened was uh, the guy that really changed it for us, Damon and Clid, when mm-hmm. we made the move, were going to be our two starting guards. And then we looked at who was our next best defender. And it turned out to be Reggie Gary. Uh, and Reggie was probably six, three and a half at the time. So we uh, decided, and this was was really a great strategic move by Lute to go to more of a three-guard offense. And Reggie oftentimes was charged with guarding, you know, whether it was from Cal or UCLA or somebody, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, forwards that were their three men. But he was, he was tough enough. He was a belligerent kid, really, really liked playing defense. He could get under your skin. So he moved into the lineup, which gave us a three-guard offense, which helped with the up-tempo. And then the the big kids, we had a, you know, if, if it was Mills or whoever it was after that, playing, playing uh, along with the big guy, it was really, really a good set. And that year that we did go to the Final Four, after two years where everybody locally was blasting us after a couple <laughs> first round right. losses, Mike, you just brought that up, uh, which was no fun, but then in 94 we did – Used that lineup to get to the final four. Had a good bench with, with uh, Joseph Blair. If he was, I guess Joseph was starting Corey Williams off mm-hmm. the bench. So, went to the three guard offense. Really helped with the up tempo and tough to guard. I mean, we we were really really tough to guard.
0: Now let's talk about the impact of Damon Stoudemire a little bit. You and I talked about him uh, probably about I don't know about seventy two hours ago. He was, in my opinion, he was kind of the guy that pushed point guard you into the national, the national mindset. Now listen, Arizona had great point guards before your Matt optics or Steve Kerr's, but Damon was kind of the first one that had some real sizzle to his game, some real speed, some just some real skill. What would you agree, disagree and how important was he to be able to make that move to what became known then as point guard you for you guys?
1: Yeah, Damon was, and is terrific. Um, Came in as a very disciplined uh, person, uh, personally, on and off the court. Uh, Was a great competitor. Worked hard on his game. Listened. I mean, that's one of the interesting things, Mike, that you see these great players, those guys that can listen and assimilate stuff and then do it. You know, you don't have to tell them two and three times, but they pick it up. And Damon was one of those guys besides just great natural skills. I mean, I told, in fact, a couple of my girls yesterday out at Pima, Google Stoudemire. watching mm-hmm. that come down on a dime and pull up for, for beautiful jumpers uh, or give you the change of pace and get to the hole. He was he was good. Um You know, he's one of the, we had a kid at Iowa, Ronnie Lester, who I've mentioned quite often before he hurt his knee, who was awfully good, like Damon, Uh, Jason Terry, you know, they're probably three of the top kids that that I ever coached, but Damon was, was terrific and brought that, it it, it was a little bit different. He was Mike, a scoring point guard. He wasn't going to be out there just distributing and so on and so forth. But when it came down either to crunch time or just taking good shots, he, he did that. He was, he was a very Very good player and really difficult to defend. I think
0: that that's kind of a little bit of a a middle ground in Arizona hoops. Um, We're going to get into that in just a second, but wanted to remind you guys about DraftKings. As always, you got some really good deals. Coach was asking about DraftKings before the show and what exactly it is. So basically you go on there and um, you go on there, you put in a wager and it's great. You can put down $1 right now. And if any team scores in the NFL game, you got to bet on the NFL. You get $100 in free plays to play with there. So, what's the worst case scenario? You lose a dollar? So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PHNX to receive that deal right there. Remember, Arizona only. If you got a gambling problem, call 1 800 NEXT STEP, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And you're going to find a lot of cool stuff on there because it's really easy to navigate. You got a lot of games coming up this week. College basketball right around the corner. And also... What's cool about doing this, where we got coaches like Coach Roz on the AZ Wildcats podcast and GoPHNX, is live interviews, live streams with some of the best people in the industry. When you think of Arizona basketball, you're not going to get far without thinking about Coach Roz, and that's what we try to do here. So download the AZ Wildcats app, subscribe on YouTube, and GoPHNX. All right, Coach. Now we've got you've got Damon Stoudemire, you got Khalid Reeves. And at that point, it was generally viewed as the best backcourt in college basketball. In my opinion, it's still the best backcourt in school history. You can certainly make a case for Mike and Miles and JT and all of them. But did you guys realize what you had on your hands? And the reason I ask this is because coming off the Santa Clara game, Chris Mills is your big dog. He's the guy, conference player of the year. Khalid had always kind of been in the background, averaging you know, 12, 13, but he was a big-time recruit player and damon didn't hadn't put up huge statistical numbers going into the year did you have an idea about what was about to be unleashed by arizona basketball
1: uh probably in a one-word answer no not really i mean (laughs) you know you never figure that i think both those guys averaged 23 or 24 um no you, you you really don't know but we again we we got reggie in there we Started out in the preseason, pressing a little bit and some other things, which was, you know, good for our teaching and, and so on. Uh, and I don't recall all of who we played in the preseason. One, one of the big games was Michigan, I think, here, where Clid Reeves went off for 40-something with, uh, against most of the Fab Five. So you knew pretty early. Uh, they got along well. They liked each other. They were very unselfish with each other. There was kind of a difference in play. I mean, Khalid, as good as he was, was kind of a strong, bullish type guard. Could shoot it, could get to the hole, uh, but but a stronger guard. And Damon was just this quick, quick cat kid that could get up and down the floor and was unselfish and made Damon look good, made everybody look good. So um, I don't I don't think you. Well, maybe I'm wrong, Mike. Uh, I don't think you can ever anticipate out of any of the great, great players that they were going to have years like that. I mean, that was two first team, all Americans. And I think you're right. Maybe one of the uh, best backcourts, not only here, but in, in history, if you really want to look at the numbers. And I went back and checked this, Mike, you know, we lost Arkansas in the final four and neither Damon nor Clid met their numbers that they have. They didn't meet their averages. All they had to do was meet their averages and we, We beat Arkansas. And, you know, it's one of those games where you don't shoot too well. If you don't shoot too well, you don't look too good. But had they met their averages that day. We move on to the championship game, but they were good. And I don't think you can foresee something like that, particularly spectacular numbers like that, but they were awfully good.
0: But isn't that kind of the charm of Arizona basketball, though, what you just said right there? And that, you know what? It was an off shooting night for them, but you gave those guys that kind of freedom. You gave them that kind of responsibility that, yes, you know what? We're going to take the good with the bad. And the good is that, heck, we got to a final four. You're playing a team in Arkansas that wins a national championship. And the guys lost because there was an off shooting day. But I think that that was part of the, uh, part of the, the privilege of watching what you guys did there is the freedom with which you allowed those young men to play.
1: I think, I think that's why people came here, Mike, and this, this would go back probably, um, you know, when Steve Kerr was here in that final four team, they were a little bit different. They were a zone team. They were good. They got up and down the floor, but I, I, I think just in my mind's eye after that, and even with Kenny Lofton at the point the next year um, it, it was one of those free flowing things and now, even now, I talk to this crazy uh, coach from Georgia Tech, Josh Pastner, who I know you Oh, right. who's that? <laughs> but he goes back and, and looks at the 97, 98 teams just to look at what we were doing offensively. And it was a free-flowing thing. It was screening, helping each other really uh, take care of the ball, get good shots for you, get up and down the floor, big kids could run. Um, and, and I think that's why kids came here. It was more of a pro-set game but with really, really, really good uh, teaching by the coaching staff. I, I, I've told Todd out at, at Pima, Mike, I've gone back over this, the practice schedules from I think the 92, 93 season. I'd saved them all for some reason. Mm-hmm. Went back through and there was no For some one- reason? Come yeah. on. I'd
0: save every single one. I'd have every single thing laminated behind me. Yeah.
1: But every single thing that you were going to see in games was covered in practice. Now, I'm not saying every single day, but, you know, two hands to the ball, how you handle a back cut, post it, every single thing. So they were well taught. And it was interesting. Um, I I think Andre Iguodala told me this when he was back a couple weeks ago for Lutz Memorial deal. Uh, when he got to the Golden State Warriors, there was an immediate connection with he and Steve Kerr because they'd both been in the same system here. They'd been taught good basketball. They, they, they listened and learned, and they had an immediate connection, Mike, just because they'd been here. But that, I think, was the beauty of the program, and a lot of these kids did want to go pro, and they're looking at what's the best situation for me to have that chance, and that was at the University of Arizona.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the era from 97 to 03. And I tell people this all the time. And I tell people this all the time. I think in that six-year window, there wasn't a better basketball program in the entire country. And that's by any measure. Duke, North Carolina, whoever you want to throw out there. Arizona during that time, national championship, a runner-up. You had four different years which you were ranked number one. And so let's talk about 96-97 and kind of the magical run that that was. From my recollection, I remember being incredibly excited for the season for a couple of reasons. First of all, there was this kid coming in, and this was before recruiting rankings were big, but there was this kid coming in with a lot of hype from Phoenix, Mike Bibby, that everybody knew about. And it was a very young team. You had Miles Simon as a sophomore, or as a junior. Michael Dickerson as a junior. JT coming back as a sophomore. A.J. Bramlett, big unknown. Bennett Davison. I was always thinking to myself, this is kind of the primer for the following season when you really make that run. Was there, and I know it was an up and down season, but what was it like during 96-97?
1: It was an up and down season. (laughs) All right. Uh. Well, you know there were there were good good parts there. Uh, I, I I think, Mike, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that was the year where Miles, for better or worse, was academically ineligible. Maybe the first semester, I, I think that was right. Mm-hmm. So then we get the pieces back, and and you know you work along. Mike Bibby was a freshman. Uh, the other kids were talented, but you know, uh, AJ and uh, Jason Terry were sophomores. Bennett came to us as a. As a junior college transfer, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Bennett Davison is one of the most undersung kids that ever played here. He was a phenomenal player and kind of in the shadow of the other guys. But there, and Michael Dickerson, probably the first, the quickest first step in college basketball there for a couple of years. So there were some pieces there. We had a good bench. We had eight kids that could play, and that's really a, a perfect situation rotation. One guard, Jason, coming off the bench, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Edgerson and and Danelle Harris played a little bit. We had two other big kids, so I don't know. You just saw it kind of come along. We didn't finish real well. Well, I think we lost our last two games up at Stanford and Cal. We had a little scuffle in the locker room after the last game. If that was was Cal, I mean, not anything major, but just right. a verbal verbal exchange between a couple of of people. And then uh, you you were right there, Mike, watching your your stomach probably went out like ours playing South Alabama. Oh, cool.
0: oh, my gosh, I'll never forget this. So I'm watching South Alabama. And again, this is a first world dilemma because you're there on the sideline. I'm just watching the game. So basically my life revolved around this at this time, Arizona basketball and what the national media was saying about Arizona basketball. So I flip over to ESPN and Digger Phelps is on there and they're down or you guys are down. I think it was nine with about 11 minutes left, something like that. And then he says, well, you know what? It looks like Arizona again, probably just going to lose in the first round game. It was a very kind of a, and I like Digger, but it was very much of a, you know, a very snippy remark right there. So I'm like, oh, and this is before the internet. So the only way that you can really scratch your national itch is to watch national sports. And so you tune back in and then all of a sudden the game kind of grinds to a halt. Miles starts getting a lot. Miles starts getting fouled a lot. Um, and before long, it's like a a 50, 50 game. And I'm thinking to myself, oh maybe we're going to sneak out of this game. Was there a turning point in that game for you? Did some, did something happen? What, what occurred there?
1: Well, uh, I don't recall Miles with the free throws as much as I remember Jason Terry really sure took over the game down the stretch. And I, I think we were down, Mike, with seven minutes to go. And I mean, everybody's stomachs are, you know, just totally upset. And you're looking for the garbage can at the end of the bench. You know, it was, it was gruesome sitting on the bench just because you knew you'd been through this kind of stuff before. And losing in that first round is, is just awful. Jason Terry uh, got hot. We got the win over a, a, a really a, a disciplined team. They were hard to beat. Uh, so we get the win there, and then we played a good team from College of Charleston, really, really a good coach there. Uh, uh, John Cressy, I think is how mm-hmm. said his last name. Really, really, really a good coach. Uh, beat them, and then... The next game is, is probably one of the two or three best games in Arizona history where we beat uh, a team that had, I think, six first-round draft choices in Kansas. They'd lost one game all year, prohibitive favorite to win the national title. They're still sick about that game in Kansas. I mean, we see friends in the summer from Kansas, and they cannot believe that game. So we win that one, uh, Mike, which was was huge. But I'm telling you right now, and any of the players you talk to, the next game, was brutal. And that was against Providence who was loaded. I mean, it went to overtime. God,
0: Sham, God, Jamel Uh, Thomas. um,
1: And they're big, they're big kids up front. Again, I can't. Austin Crozier. Oh my gosh. They, they were loaded. uh, And that was a heck of a game and we're coming off beating Kansas and the emotions of that game. And, and it was a brutal game against Kansas. I mean, it's not like a a cakewalk exhibition game, but we pulled that one out and then we're on the way to the final four. So um, but, they're, they're really, it's one of those things, Mike, just where everything hit at the right moment. You know, you come off two losses at the end of the season. Come on. I mean, you've been around sports. It's, it's no fun. You're doubting. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's horrendous. So, you know, once we got by those first two games um, you know, they come together and it was just kind of honestly one of those miracle things. You never, ever, ever could have thought about that in your life that something like that was going to happen.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that Kansas game, because to me, that is one of the biggest upsets at the time. And I'm going to just go why in hindsight it wasn't at the time, but Kansas goes in there and I firmly believe still. And I don't know what Roy Williams is thinking because he would know more than me, but I believe that that was Roy Williams best team. They were loaded. And again, one loss all season. They went into the NCAA tournament as the number one seed by a mile. Whoever was number two, whether it was North Carolina or Kentucky, it didn't matter. That was Kansas's team. And what was so strange about that game is that it, you guys never really lost touch with them. I was, I think everybody kind of in the back of their mind was, all right, let's just play this game tough. And you know what? Maybe we have a chance. And the further and further along it got in the second half, you're like, I mean, Kansas is in some real trouble here, Coach.
1: Yeah, well, it's just like you said. Um, You know, I I don't know what our expectations were going in. I mean, it was like every other game. They were well prepared. We'd had only uh, a couple days to get prepared. The interesting thing, Mike, is we even – we even got in a little bit late. Our charter flight was in late. We were supposed to practice, I guess, the day before or something. And so that was kind of screwed up. There were a lot of little, little things that were kind of funny, but, um, you know, you hang with them and that's what you say in any sport, you know, just give yourself a chance down the stretch, which, which happened. And, you know, Bibby was phenomenal. Miles kind of loaded the team on his back for a lot of the tournament. Um, and obviously it was the most outstanding player, but, Everybody was hot, and and I, I, I you, people don't realize this. A.J. Bramlett was the leading rebounder in the tournament that year. Mm-hmm. Six games played, leading rebounder. Right. Bennett Davison, we could switch one through four with Bennett, so we had some versatility there defensively. And and he was, he was good. Jason Terry off the bench was phenomenal. In fact, I think ended up playing more minutes in the tournament than Dickerson, who right was very very good, but maybe little bit off in in the tournament for whatever reason Uh, but it Mm -hmm. got us there so it's just one of those where we hung close and uh you know we were there we got the lead they had a shot at the end we rebounded and Jason Terry was up on the press row stand waving to the crowd about as fast as he could get there so now that I hate to use this word but that was a hell of a game
0: Right. And to answer Sean's question, he said, didn't the 88 team also have an off shooting off night? Yeah, that was kind of the Steve Kerr game where I think of two for 15 from the field, but that's just the nature of the NCAA tournament. Now to continue on here, let's talk about the metamorphosis of miles Simon then who went from he's academically ineligible for the first semester, Michael Dickerson and my Mike baby into a little lesser extent, Jason Terry kind of carrying the, uh, the heavy load. Then, Miles becomes eligible and there's kind of, it, it takes a while to click, but what happened in the NCAA tournament when it took from a while to click to him being clearly the best player in the entire field by the time it was over?
1: Well, Miles is is a great competitor. And I, I think, you know, you know about these things, Mike, There's some guys that are great in practice and maybe not so hot in games. Relatively speaking, there is other guys who um, practice fair, but that when the, when the lights come on for a game, they step up. And Miles was one of those guys. He, he was a great competitor and had a great feel for the, for the spotlight, if that's what it is, or the moment that, mm-hmm. that we were in. And really, uh, you know, looking back, Mike, it's interesting. He made a number of shots that, that um, over the course of working with him for a couple of years, we really never practiced on, but they were in his repertoire somewhere. And he pulled them out uh, during that tournament run. So yeah, he, he, he's a gamer and he's a tough kid. He enjoyed the moment. Um, he and Bibby, you can see the, the whole time really getting along well, communicating miles, talking to the big kids. Jason was in there. Mike uh, really did a, a great job of leadership. Um, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to go to him for the on-court leadership that he showed, but he just blossomed. He got better. Uh, you know, Miles is not blessed with many right. of the tools that the great ones have, but right. The kid, the kid is, was a gamer. And so when those lights came on those six games and for sure in that Kansas game, and then the two at the final four, he, he stepped up big time. And you know, if you're the outstanding player in the tournament, that says an awful lot and he was good. Before, uh, before we let you go, I
0: wanted to kind of go down memory lane with O one one because that was a very bittersweet year, I think for everybody. Um, going into the season, Arizona's preseason ranked number one. And there was good reason. And the best way that I can put this is you had all five starters. And I don't know that this has ever been done. Maybe it has been in the Kentucky era. I'm not sure. You had all five starters who were on the top 50 Wooden Award watch list. Jason Gardner, Gilbert Arenas, Richard Jefferson, Michael Wright, Lauren Woods. And the roster was constructed perfectly. You had the tough bulldog point guard. You have the scoring, uh, you have the scoring shooting guard in Gill. You've kind of got the jack-of-all-trades Richard Jefferson can defend, and he certainly showed that in the tournament. Big bruising power forward and Michael Wright, and then you got the center in Lauren Woods, who best shot blocker in college basketball. When you went into that season, what were your guys, uh, what were your initial expectations? What did you think that you had on your hands at that point?
1: Well, Mike, you know, you're, you are You have one goal. You don't talk about it every single day. I I worked for, speaking of the Final Four, just real quick, I worked for a guy at Tulsa for one year, J.D. Barnett, a very, very, very good coach, undersung coach. One day we were at practice, oh, third or fourth practice, and we were standing there watching something, and he looked over at me and he said, Jim, if I ever hear you mention the word Final Four, the two words, I'm going to fire you on the spot. The point being, Final Fours. They 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 just happen. The more you talk about them, the more the papers talk about them. Everything else it, it gets tougher. They they just kind of kind of happen. So, I mean, we knew we had some talent that year. Uh, Lauren was kind of a funny kid at times to coach, and I'm not saying anything horrible. But Lute had to come down and jump him pretty good a few times. <laughs>
0: right, right. And
1: Gilbert Gilbert was was a, a huge talent and probably one of the top two or three smartest kids basketball kids that I've ever coached. You're right on. Jason Gardner, a bulldog, started every game here. Richard was multi-talented. And then you're you're right on the kid that sadly is not with us, but Michael Wright. I mean, what a horse and, and a right. great kid. Luke off the bench, Gene Edgerson off the bench, Justin Wessel off the bench. So very well constructed. That's a good way to put it, Mike. So, I mean, I think we knew we were good. Um We had a we we had a good big uh, Pac-12 season. I don't know where we finished. I don't know if we won it, but had a good Pac-12 season. That's the year that Bobby Olsen sadly passed away. So the kids dealt with that. But, uh, you know, we got in the tournament, uh, had a good run, smashed Michigan, smashed Michigan State. Yes. Final game.
0: 81-63. Still remember the score off the top of my head.
1: (laughs) And then we we played Duke. And uh, I, I can't use this exact word either. But as, as when the game ended, Josh and I walked off the court together. We were about four steps beyond midcourt, and I looked over at Josh, and I said, Josh, we just got screwed. I, I saw people that summer, Mike, that multiple people that I really didn't know well came up and said, that is the worst ref Final Four championship game in the history of the NCAA, and it was. It was brutal. We were good, and I'm not saying you're going to beat them. But all you want is kind of a fair shake, and and everybody uses referees as an excuse. But that was, that was not a good one, Mike. But we hung right in there with Duke, gave him a good game. Uh, what a talented team! That's that's probably the most talented team, here, Mike. One through seven or eight, really a title.
0: I I think, I think it's clearly, at least in my opinion, take it for what it's worth. It's, it's the best team that I've ever seen here. And, um, uh, Sean Sealy just put a message on, uh, uh, YouTube. He says, I still hate Jason Williams. (laughs) I don't hate Jason Williams per se, but that was one of the worst no calls that you will ever see in college basketball. And to give you everybody a frame of reference, um, Jason Gardner's dribbling the ball up the court. Jason Williams is already in foul trouble. Keep in mind Jason Williams is the national player of the year, so it's not like he's some bit player. He lunges on top of Jason Gardner. It this was, I mean, this was closer to an intentional foul than a no call, and the plays just lets is just let go, and I remember watching it on TV and it's like wait a second, you're waiting for like the delayed call for the ref to come in there and say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." And it never happened, yeah. and to me, that was that was the difference in that game right there. Is that because without Jason Williams, they're still a good team, but they ain't the same team, Coach.
1: Yeah, no, no question on that. And and I mean the other thing, and I'm not listen. Uh, Mike Shishovsky's the greatest coach mm-hmm. in college history, right? Uh, but he he does have a reputation for getting on the officials, and and Luke was very good at that too. But he he was on them uh, pretty good and pretty early. I can't tell you how many points that cost us, but that was personally a little bit, a little bit irritating. Uh, Although, you know, it goes on, but that was a good team. Um, You know, I mean, you, you go again, you look at that starting lineup and I mean, there were first round draft choices and Gilbert would have been a first round draft choice, but he got a little funny at a couple of his interviews. Right. And, and Jason Gardner, um, you know, played every game here. Most second most minutes in collegiate history, Mike, behind right. Danny right. Manning at Kansas. So right. that was a really a great team and well constructed, well coached, got hot at the right time. Great team
0: right coach i can't thank you enough for giving us about 35 40 minutes of your time it's i'm a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff and you know what you're the you're the thesaurus when it comes to everything arizona basketball and the dictionary but uh <laughs> coach i thought that for a reference right yeah, there yeah, that's pretty good but no. coach i uh, really appreciate you coming on we'd love to have you on again whenever you can make some time
1: anytime anytime Mike. just let me know Great okay. People, too, by the way, all right. Mike. Thanks again. You're Project quite Rob an historian, Reed. Mike. You're quite an historian. You got your facts. I'll give you that. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and we got more than we can pick at, especially with the season coming up. <laughs>
1: yeah. All okay, right. Thanks but, again. Thank Appreciate you. you. Yep. Yeah. Bye.
0: Okay. Now, now the, the cool thing about be, working here at GoPHNX is that, first of all, you're backed by DraftKings. And there's nothing better than that because DraftKings is the best thing that you got going right now, you've got any, you've got the best deals. You put down $1 again on any NFL game. And if the team scores, you get 150 or excuse me, $100 in free plays that you can do with whatever you want. And you know what? Some people can turn a hundred dollars into a thousand dollars. Who knows what you can do, but you know what? If you're good at those lines, if you can figure things out, this is 100% the place for you. I can tell you so many different people that I know that have not been into gambling or have not been into sports wagering and they look at it and they're like, hmm, this is, this is almost too good to be true. It's not too good to be true because it is true. And that's why you need to hop on to DraftKings. And again, code word PHNX, you got all the best deals. It's easy to navigate. You don't have to try to figure out 35 different ways. Everything is delineated there for you. Again, hop on there. The stuff's fantastic. I'm not just saying that. It is. I utilize it. My friends utilize it. And there's nothing funner or more enjoyable during a game that when you're watching and you're thinking to yourself, all right, man, maybe I can, maybe I can get in on this over right here. So check out DraftKings. It's fantastic. The other thing that you should be checking out, too, is Manscaped. Now, here's the deal with Manscaped. Nobody wants to talk about it, but everybody's got to trim down below. Everybody's got to keep yourself clean. Everybody's got to keep yourself smelling well. That's just the way it is. We're in the year 2021 right now, so we can acknowledge this. And Manscaped is here to help you. You have a multitude of different uh, devices that you can use, including the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and uh, Hair uh, Trimmer, and you get liquid formulations and two free gifts. It's easy. I can use it, and I'm not great at this kind of stuff. And it works for everybody. No nicks, no cuts, no fuzzy nuts, to quote the guy Petey up in Phoenix. I'm sorry. I'm going to steal that from uh, all the time. But, again, if you go in there, you can get 20% off free shipping with code word PHNX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code word PHNX. Slay your worst pubes and keep your dagger clean with Manscaped. Okay. I can't thank Coach Roz enough for coming on and everybody that contributed. Sean, you're out there. uh, You've been awesome. And he put on there, he said, I'm still kind of in feels right now. And that's what's fun about that era of Arizona basketball. I don't know that it'll ever be like that just from an organic perspective. But you felt you knew everybody. Even though Mike Bibby didn't talk, I knew everything about him. I knew that he loved to eat McDonald's. I knew that all he cared about essentially was basketball. He wanted to get to the NBA from the age that he was three and he got there. And, you know, I don't know that he'd ever say it, but he wanted to be better than his father. Accomplished all those things. Michael Dickerson, kind of the quiet, aloof guy who was the most physically talented player on the team, really religious. You still felt like you knew what made Mike D tick. Miles Simon, same way. You knew he was the leader. He was the guy that was, calling everybody in and he was the one that needed to make every single play down the stretch along with some others. And that's always what happened. JT, the guy that kept everybody going, the guy that kept everybody fresh. And then you got AJ Bramlett, Bennett Davidson, some late bloomers to the scene, but integral parts, integral parts of what the uh, U of A was able to do during that championship run and that follow-up year. And, I asked coach about Tommy Lloyd. I don't expect Tommy Lloyd to be Lute Olson. I mean, well, I'd like him to. But if he can get his program to the way that it's a more free-flowing, exciting brand of basketball, that's just kind of what I want to see. Sean Miller did some really good things when he was here, won a lot of games. But it's just, when I think Arizona basketball, I think getting up and down. And that's why when I asked Coach a little bit about Gonzaga, it was with that purpose. And I think uh, I think KB Thiel makes a good point. Unfortunately, in college basketball, you have to complete with a totally new roster much every year. And that won't happen again. And, you know, he's exactly right. I'm just more talking about stylistically the style of play. And that's, I think, what everybody would like to be able to get back to. And hopefully the Tommy Lloyd can do that. And we're going to be along with you all every step of the way here at AZ Wildcats Podcast. Go PHNX. You got all the stuff you need. You got live streams. You've got podcasts. You've got timely content. You've got timely articles. Everything you need, we got. You got the best guests. You've got the Cardinals, the Suns, the Coyotes. Even the Sun Devils, they all do a great job out there. So this is the place that you should go. Go check out GoPhnx. You got the AZ Wildcats podcast here. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts, and obviously on YouTube as well. Now we had Noah uh, before we let you go. We had Noah Fafita on yesterday, future U of A quarterback. We're going to be joined tomorrow by his four-star teammate, Mr. Keon Burnett, who decommitted from USC so he could become a Wildcat. There's going to be a really fun story behind that, and we're going to get you all set up. Keep in mind, we're going to be up in Denver, uh, excuse me, in Boulder, Colorado this week, live on assignment. Hopefully Arizona can break that losing streak, and we'll be with you every step of the way. But remember, Keon Burnett tomorrow, going to be on the podcast. And everybody out there, thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats.